Ladies and gents, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome one and all. It is another Sunday and another edition of the Royal Ramble. I'm your host, Blaine the Brain, and at the start of the month, I said that this would seem like February, as there seemed to be a different show each week, whether it be wrestling or MMA. That isn't so much the case this week, as the bigger shows don't start to take shape until next weekend. The UFC has another hit pay-per-view next week, featuring the return of John Jones to the Octagon, assuming of course that he makes it another week without a DUI, but if Jimmy Uso can do it, anything is possible. And then of course there is AEW Revolution next Sunday. Unfortunately, there will not be a new episode of The Ramble next week, as sometimes life just gets in the way. To put everyone's mind at ease, I am fine, it's nothing like that, it's just a busier weekend for me, and I unfortunately cannot work the show into the schedule. However, I will be back the following weekend to review the Revolution show. I know it's kind of lame that the review is coming a week late, but better late than never, I guess. And to make it up to you, I may have a bonus interview this week, so stay tuned. Right now, and before we get into the AEW preview, I want to talk about some of the highlights of the Impact Plus special No Surrender this past Friday. It isn't really a full review because it wasn't really a pay-per-view, but some of those specials do have their moments, and this one was no exception. Actually, I thought one of the better matches of the night didn't even happen on the main card. It was Jonathan Gresham against Speedball Mike Bailey. It was very competitive, and I was actually very surprised that Gresham went over. He probably needed a win more than Speedball, but I just figured because Gresham is kind of part-time to impact, that Speedball would have been the priority here, but maybe they have bigger plans ahead. Speedball is going to have a hell of a week coming up at the end of March, though, leading into WrestleMania weekend. I believe he's booked on almost every indie card that week, and all of those matches look like they could be marathons. That guy is a real Iron Man, and definitely one of my early favorites for 2023 Wrestler of the Year if he keeps this up. There was also a pretty good six-man tag on the show, featuring Bullet Club's Ace Austin, Chris Bay, and Kenta, who was apparently on loan from New Japan, taking on the Motor City Machine Guns and Kushida. This one was wild, and there was a frightening spot where Ace Austin botched a Fosbury flop, almost landing on his head, and the guns were able to catch him and basically save his life. Again, I was pretty surprised by the outcome. Bullet Club went over, but maybe they have more planned for Kenta down the road. The Multiverse show is coming up in a month, so we'll probably see him there as well. The one lowlight on this show for me was the live busted open radio segment where Bully Ray basically faked an apology and Tommy Dreamer may have proven himself as the dumbest babyface on earth by once again allowing Bully to sucker him in only to knock him down again. I can't say that I'm all that interested in a Bully Ray vs. Tommy Dreamer feud in 2023. I wasn't all that interested in 97 to be honest. The main event was really good as well, and probably the least predictable outcome with Josh Alexander retaining his world title over Rich Swan. But now the next task for Alexander is at Rebellion in April against Steve Macklin. I'm less than enthused about this match as well, as I'm not the biggest Macklin fan, but the company seems to be strapping a rocket to him lately, so it wouldn't shock me if he wins the title. Though I'm not so sure it would be the best idea to have the Ontario native lose the belt in Toronto. You kind of want to send the crowd home happy. With that, I'm going to switch gears and talk a little about the road to revolution, or even the revolutionary road, which kind of rolls off the tongue a little smoother. AEW has its first pay-per-view of the year next Sunday, and it looks like a good one. 
I think fans have been kind of spoiled by the Saturday shows lately, but hopefully this one doesn't go past midnight as most of the world has to work the next day. Seven matches are currently announced, which is kind of light for an AEW card, but I guess when you consider that one of those is an Iron Man, it kind of evens out. Also, there still remains a couple of shows before the big one, so perhaps more matches could be added. Personally, I don't think it's needed, but this is AEW we're talking about. Just added recently is the six-man for the trio's titles. It'll be the Elite defending against House of Black. Of all the matches on this card, this could be the most exciting, but definitely the one with the weakest build. I kind of feel that the Elite have been in limbo lately, maybe because they're still dealing with the aftermath of Brawl Out, and perhaps Tony Khan is waiting for things to settle down a little more. They still have strong matches, and I'm expecting a good one here, but it just kind of came together out of nowhere. I don't see a title change happening because I don't see House of Black lasting too much longer as a faction. In fact, I think a loss here will be the start of the tease of dissension among the group, and they all kind of go their separate ways. The women's title will be up for grabs as well in a three-way between defending champion Jamie Hayter, Ruby Soho, and Soraya. This is kind of a weird dynamic. Soraya is much better suited as a heel, but I felt that the actual turn for herself and Tony Storm kind of came out of nowhere, with no real tease of it beforehand, and to be honest, I don't feel that either Britt or Jamie work as babyfaces. I think Jamie is just going to be another Wardlow when they first turn him face. Jamie just won the belt, so I can't see her losing it this quickly. I imagine that Ruby is really only in the match to take the pin, which I think is exactly what's going to happen. Soraya will attempt to steal a pin on Ruby, but Hayter will use that very strategy against her, and she will be the one to get the pin. But I see this as the start of the slow heel turn for Ruby, who will eventually join forces with Soraya and Tony. Just announced this past week was the one-on-one -on -one match between Chris Jericho and Ricky Starks. I've been really impressed with the continued push of Starks, and I think he needs to win this match, and Jericho I think is someone who is more than willing to put him over. I was thinking this could be sleeper match of the night, but then I realized that Brian Danielson is on the card, so not bloody likely. The TNT title is also on the line with Wardlow challenging Samoa Joe. Given that Wardlow still remains unbeaten since winning the title, as he's never been pinned or submitted, I think this is his match to lose. He had that great story about the significance of his hairstyle which Joe robbed him of, so I think Wardlow is winning the belt back here, and both are moving on to other things. Joe still has the ROH TV title, so I don't think this loss will hurt him too badly. And then we have the four-way for the World Tag Team titles with a fourth team still to be added. I don't really know if it matters which team enters because I don't expect them to win. I think this is the night where Billy Gunn finally turns on the Acclaimed and rejoins his actual sons who keep the belts. And then the Acclaimed may get a new veteran as their cornerman. Hangman Page and John Moxley will enter what I believe is their final encounter. It'll be a Texas death match in California of all places. I suppose it's good for Mox that it's not a first blood match or would be over in about two minutes. I'm expecting a bloodbath here, but struggling to understand who's supposed to be the babyface. This is one of the matches that I think we're getting a clean finish, and I think the best decision is for Hangman to go over, and then they do the handshake as the mutual sign of respect afterwards. And then it's the big one for the AEW world title. It'll be an Iron Man match between MJF and Brian Danielson. This one could be a match of the year candidate. I can't see MJF losing the belt this early in his run, but hopefully they end it in such a way that Danielson looks good coming out of it as well. 
I think it'll end up being even near the end, but the final fall will see MJF grab the ring, but just as he turns around to use it, Danielson hits the Busyko knee, while MJF hits him with the ring in midair. However, when Danielson hits the knee, MJF is fortunate enough that the ropes are right behind him, so he bounces off and falls on top of Danielson for the final three count. After the match, as MJF is celebrating, Danielson attacks him and locks on the label lock, refusing to release the hold until security and officials break it up, and that's your show. So now I'm going to predict the card for the next AEW pay-per-view, Double or Nothing, with this week's fantasy forecast. MJF vs. Adam Cole for the AEW World Heavyweight title. Hangman Adam Page vs. Ricky Starks in a number one contenders match. The Elite vs. the Blackpool Combat Club for the AEW Trios titles. Wardlow vs. Chris Jericho for the AEW TNT title. The Gun Club vs. the Acclaimed in a street fight for the AEW Tag Team titles. Interim Women's Champion Jamie Hayter vs. Official Women's Champion Thunder Rosa in a title unification match. Brian Danielson vs. Kazushika Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight title. I know Forbidden Door is a month later, assuming it's an annual thing, but this could be a good way to bring Okada in. Ruby Soho and Dr. Britt Baker vs. Soraya and Tony Storm in the tournament finals to crown first ever AEW Women's Tag Team Champions. There will probably be like 10 more matches, but these are the main ones that I would book. So that does it for another week. A reminder that there will be no new episode next week, but I'll be back March 12th to review Revolution and UFC 285. Until then, I leave you with an A-B-C-Y-A.